trying to take over the world. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Collective. We have another awesome show for you today. We're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff. Uh, our guest is running a bit late. He is just in the shower at the moment. Wow. Hey, you're you're a little uh, broken up from uh, your standoff distance on your microphone. Do I, I can? Do I need to be a little more sultry? All I'm saying is that you're breaking <laughs> up a bit. I'm breaking up. Okay. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll try to manage that. I'm check. Uh, there we go. Let me know if it keeps getting worse or anything like that. Um, right. Before we go any further, though, I do want to remind everybody that we need to like and subscribe and hit the notification bell. That way you can stay in touch with us all the time. Um, so, yeah. How's it going? I yeah, good. You know, just uh, running a bit hot, mm-hmm. flippity flopping uh, my little cords at the back of my microphone. Switch from the switch from the IG to the YouTube, from the IG to the YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh i feel the same way oh i just had a little weird click you know what it might be it's static maybe i'm static myself uh that makes sense you know um yeah i'm on a temporary table right now because my office is i'm still under construction so right it's all coming together but uh balanced on a case of beers <laughs> some empties <laughs> too many empties too many you know i was thinking about this the other day actually i haven't drank since like december oh congratulations how's that feeling i don't know i haven't really noticed any real difference and i just i don't really have a desire for it anymore i used to when i didn't have beer in the fridge there would always be this like oh i gotta go put some beer in the fridge oh yeah right we talked about that yeah yeah but i don't even really like it doesn't not coming up in my head i look in the fridge and i don't even notice that there's no beer in there anymore so right Man, I don't know. Do, do you know? Do you know who does notice that there's no beer in the fridge? Your freaking bank account. That's for sure. And your brain, <laughs> and your liver, and everything else, and your kids. You know, actually, I was thinking about this the other day too. It's been, it's been over ten years since I've smoked, as well. Mm. And I hadn't even, it hadn't even come up in my head that this was happening. I was just randomly, I saw somebody with a cigarette as they were driving along in their in their hand on their steering wheel as they passed me and i was like what was the last time i smoked and i was like doing the math and it was like 10 plus years mm-hmm. so and it looks like we got ace here he is boom what's up coming in boys you sound good man coming in hot looking good yeah. nice oh got, got the, uh, the i just hair from getting sweat on by a bunch of heavyweights um, nice and getting my ass kicked yeah, coming in and all hair. Like, oh, can you get here for like half an hour earlier? I'm like, I'm literally covered in another man's fluids. Fantastic. <laughs> Congratulations. You're the winner. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a, that's a solid win for the day. Well, Sean, you were, yeah. you were, are we, uh, are we live or what are we doing right now? We're we live. are, we're live right we're now. Go, man. Yeah. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll ask you later then. No, no. Uh, you can, uh, this is, how, this is how we do things. Unless it's like super like weird. Ask away. It's it's very specific and it's Back. it's specific to your person like your personal life. I'll ask yeah, sure. No, no, hit me. It's good. Um okay, I have you in full screen. <laughs> Sounds coming yeah. in. Yeah, 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 blue yetis. yeah, yeah. It's good. We're good. Yeah. Okay, awesome. What what's your question for Sean? Um when uh when was it you left the hill? Mm, it was that's a great question and it's one that i usually duck dodge and dive exactly Uh, it was uh into the past the mid 90s okay awesome do you do you know a few people from up there yeah yeah i've uh, i've crossed paths with a few um but we don't need to get into those specifics yeah man absolutely so well let's just jump into a general topic unless you guys got some thoughts or questions that you want to talk about anything oh, that's man. on your mind good to go i mean ace we haven't met i'm sure i'll get to know you over the next 56 minutes oh dear <laughs> so um, oh, what's it what do you got go ahead. go ahead chance okay let's dive into it then um the the thought i had today we actually were talking about this yesterday when sean and i were talking about being uh you know life back when we were 11 and what that was all uh what that was all like and growing up in rural alberta and all those things but the question we asked 
afterwards was, who are the heroes that formed you? Who were the people growing up that you were watching on TV or in movies or around you or the people that formed your vision of a person, of like a, of a man, of, um, of who you're going, who you want to be? Sure. So I think like a lot of, like I grew up in rural Saskatchewan. It was uh, 35 to 40,000 people worth of uh, drink play with women and play cards. Um, and I think like a lot of young lads, my hero was my grandfather. Mm. Right. So the, uh, it was actually the, uh, the guy that I know is my grandfather was a man named who they, they called him Mac, right? His name is Malcolm. And he was an old cowboy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he rode a horse you make a fine Yorkshire pudding. You could two-step. Oh, that, right? that right there. That's a home run. Right? If, if, he, if he can make a good Yorkie. Yeah. So he could, he could shoot. He cut his own firewood. He, he just, he did all these things. And when I go through and I look at who it is, like the standard that I want to be judged by as a man, um, I want to be judged by the standard of my grandfather's generation. Mm. He, he could shoot a rifle. From horseback not because he was a shooter or a gun guy it's because it was a tool to do a job and everyone could do it mm-hmm. it's part of just part of being a man right because sometimes you need to they were they were out on a horse ranch so sometimes you need to go through and shoot a shoot a bear in the hindquarters or, or whatever right deal with coyote whatever whatever kind of came up um and that's why he could shoot he could ride a horse because everyone could ride a horse. Um, and as far as that whole idea of self-sufficiency, mm-hmm. um, I remember, I remember, I went, and, and he's, he spoke in this generic kind of old man grumble, um, which if you're not familiar with it, go watch Jeff Bridges. I'm familiar. Version of True Grit. Where it's yeah. just like, right. And so you never knew really what the man was saying. He just kind of caught bits and pieces. Uh, the same way that my dog understands me. Yeah. Okay. So we went to go visit him one day and he had his, he had his legs sitting up, um, his, his heels on a stool. He had, you know, some type of kerchief or probably it was like a pillowcase or something like that uh, wrapped around his knee, right. Or just kind of around his knee sitting there and we're like, Grandpa Mac, Grandpa Mac, what, what happened? And I go, nick myself with a chainsaw. The man nicked himself with a chainsaw and just walked it off. Yeah, I'll, maybe I'll take the rest of the day off. <laughs> maybe. Just an old grizzly SOB. Yeah. And so when I go through and I contrast that against the standards that, you know, neo-masculinity and stuff like that is today, right, versus what it was then, and how it is I want to be judged, I want to be judged based on what my capability is. Yeah. Um. And everyone wants to define themselves in narrow terms, right? So, I mean, we all we all know someone who's a cop. And, I mean, their life is they're a cop. They hang out mm-hmm. with their cop buddies and they talk about cop things. And they take every bit of overtime they can so they can continue being a cop as much as possible. And that's their identity. It's in very narrow terms. Um, you go through and you see that amongst guys who were in the military, right? Even guys who, you know, they were some type of Mobom or something like that. And they mm-hmm. did their tour. So they do their tour. They're in six months of the most adventure that they're probably going to see for their entire life. Right. Yeah. They're in a, in a compressed window that six months is versus kind of what the Americans are. There's some poor bastards that were out there for, versus <laughs> year, year and I, year and half, yeah. basically just kept, kept getting moved around. They were like out there for like, two and a half three years by the time they realize it due to some logistical nightmare so when you go through and you look at a mobile goes over you know you're 21 22 years old full of piss and vinegar you go over there and there's six months of the most of the most excitement you're ever going to feel never felt more alive then you come home and so do you allow that six months to define the rest of your life and that becomes your identity or is that just chapter one and we're moving on to the next thing? 
And so when I look at that older generation, I mean, like I, I grew up around, you know, around World War II vets, mm -hmm. um, helping out with Legion and stuff like that. And these old men, if you get them drinking, which I mean, a lot of them just medicated because we didn't even know what PTSD was, you know, grand grandpap is a little shell shock, right? And you get these guys talking sometimes and there'd be these brief windows where they were 17. I mean, shit, some of them were, some are 14. And you get them drunk and that was yesterday. Yeah. But for the, for the majority of it, they managed it and it wasn't, it wasn't something that defined them the way that it seems to with, with guys that went and did that stint in Afghanistan. I, I don't know why that is. Um, I mean, when you, when you had a generation like my granddad, like the first time that you killed something, you were a child, yeah. right? First time you got behind a trigger. I mean, I, I got behind a trigger for the first time. I was five years old, right? First time you kill something, you're a child. And whether that's you're shooting it or especially if you grew up on a farm and, you know, okay, you're seven years old, you're a man, we're going to slaughter that goat. Yep. And so, you know, you go over and there's this, this whole thing that goes on and you go up to the goat, you draw, right? You draw a line from opposite eye to opposite eye, hit that dot and you know where you're going to do it. But before that, you have to chase this thing down, you wrestle it to the ground, you have to tie it up and you want to hear the, the wails and the bait, right? The, the bleeding. And then it stops and this thing knows what's going to happen. It just has accepted that mm -hmm. you draw that line and the pressure on you is to at least make it quick and painless. So you do that and you go through and you fire it through and pull it out and blood shoots all up your arm. You wind up, wind up with it on the back of your elbow. <laughs> well, when you're from a generation where that's seven years old, Versus some that grew up at seven years old, they were playing Mike Tyson's punch out. Yeah. It's just different. It is. And so I wonder, and I'm interested in your guys' feedback is, do you wind up having the fact that this six months is just so heavily punctuated compared to the rest of your life versus that other generation where it's like the tenacity of the Canadian soldier in World War II was one of the things the German generals just were blown away by. Right? We, were, we were seen as the shock troops of the Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that has to do with you grow up shooting, killing animals, trapping, and it's just the way that it is. You catch a weasel in the trap, and you're like, okay, well, I guess we're going to do this. Yeah. Right? The, the pioneer so, lifestyle. Yeah. it's uh, I, I grew up in Southern Alberta, too, uh, and Sean grew up in uh, northwestern Alberta, I guess, in the, in the mountains. Sean, what about you? What do you think... Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think you raise a good point, Ace, and uh, we've kind of talked about this a little bit uh, over here, uh, not completely, uh, not precisely, mm -hmm. but we've talked a little bit about how mm, different generations deal with things differently. And my generation, because I turned 60 this year, uh, I was raised up in, uh, in Grand Cash out in the boonies, and uh, it was no easy lifestyle. And I've done my fair share of hunting as a kid. And uh, that, that's just what I knew. That was normal to me. And so um, to your point, uh, who were the heroes that formed you and who were the men that you were surrounded with? Uh, back when I, at my age as a young kid, no one knew what a man was. It just wasn't openly discussed. You couldn't flick to the Encyclopedia Britannica and look up the term man and it being correctly defined. I don't even think it's well-defined nowadays. I think we're all just trying to figure it out as we grow up. And I think to this point, the heroes that formed you, who are today's heroes versus who are, who are my heroes? And so my heroes, mm -hmm. when I was growing up as a kid, were either on the big screen or they were right in front of me. But mostly it was the people right in front of me. So the big screen for me, it was John J. Rambo. I was just about to join the military and uh, John Jay showed up just prior to that. And I was like, dude, that's me. So that was a hero. And it's, See, it, I, was, I it was less about his, guy. 
it was <laughs> it was less about his haircut and it was you know less about whatever and it was more about his attitude no nonsense take care of business don't talk too much just kick ass mm -hmm. and so you know there's many things that i could draw uh, as 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 talking points about john j rambo and how it kind of suits my nature but on the big screen it was that dude but that was just a guy mostly it was the real men standing in front of me that weren't defining what a man was they were just they were just doing actions they were just doing things and those things look like this on a horse shooting off a horse fishing off a horse all things horses all things hunting all things tracking all things cold baked beans out in the middle of the winter all things tough so all the men that i knew though they weren't trying to teach me how to be a man they were just doing men things and that's what heroes were to me at that point it was guys and there weren't that many of them by the way but it was just certain men that were living what i considered to be maximum effort adventurous lifestyles that just happened to be their life mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't created for the poster it wasn't created for the tourist it wasn't created for their neighbor they just did them and them was tough and tough was a, exciting to me and so the the heroes that helped form me as a young man were just everyday men who didn't even know that they were shaping me and they weren't like mega shaping me i cherry picked this wow that guy's that guy's hard as a coffin nail mm -hmm. i wonder what he's all about man that guy just got kicked in the head by a horse stood up and then kicked the crap out of the horse wow <laughs> that was a thing and so every month every year as i grew up it wasn't i wasn't uh, thor wasn't my hero iron man wasn't my hero doctor strange wasn't my hero real people were my heroes yeah that's a great point and uh, to your uh, to your thought ace the the thing that i think separates this generation of veterans from previous generation of veterans was the concept of going home and I've, I've put some thought into this for quite a bit was that, you know, you, you liken it to the adventure of, you know, I'm going to go off on an adventure and I'm going to come back. And there, there's, there's that concept of I'm going and then I'm coming back. And a lot of the World War II vets was I'm going. Period. There was no thought to coming back. There was no, oh, you know, two, three years, four or five years. You know, there was always talk of, you know, we'll be home by Christmas, boys. Right. But it was, it was higher leadership trying to keep morale up, but I don't think there was any thought for the soldiers on the ground that, yeah, we'll be back in six months or eight months or 10 months, or there was no date time stamp where you were like, okay, I'm going to be back by then, which changes the outlook on the experience as a whole. Because for my, for the tour that I went on, I had a date in my head. This is when I'm going home. And then when my tour got extended, that threw me for a loop. Like I, I, I didn't know how to process that. When I was prepped to go on my second tour and I got taken off it again, same deal. I like it all of a sudden threw my mind because I had a thought pattern of this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. There's that expectation there in the depth of it. And people like my granddad's same, <laughs> same style of person as your granddad. He was an old rancher. He grew up on the ranch with nothing and same style of person that uh, you grew up with, Sean, is that they didn't talk much, right? They just got the job done. If you needed a, you needed a friend, you rode over to his ranch and you're like, Hey, I need some help. And then you would ride back mostly silent all the way back, right? Those are the type of people that are just, they're there to work. All the extra stuff is extra stuff. You don't need any of that. And when you stop at the Legion... Okay, or... I'd like to throw something in. Yeah. Uh, based on that, and maybe this is to Ace's, um, not question or point, but it's kind of the general theme, perhaps. So here's where I see a huge difference. And by huge, I mean it's not like a chasm. But to me, it's, it's readily visible. Um, the World War II veteran 
um, grew up hard, went over and did hard, and came back and continued being hard. Yeah. Because that's just the generation. It was a hard generation. But, and I'm not, this is not being specific about Afghanistan veterans. It's not, it's, it's more about a modern veteran, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. The person who goes over to Afghanistan maybe just got out of high school. Silver spoon, never faced adversity, etc. Now they're over there for six months. They've, they've never even put their foot on sand. Sand is a big deal. And so it's such an, uh, not an overwhelming experience, but it's such an intense experience because it's so different than high school. They do that thing and then they come back to Canada and it's, it's, you're not required to be hard generation. You can come back and, and pull the plug with only three years in the military and then be kind of looked after. Whereas the old veterans from World War II, they weren't really being looked after. They just got back straight into the workforce and then they're now they're banging on angle iron or whatever. And so it was a different expectation. It was a different outcome. It was a different expectation again once you came back into Canada and you were expected back then to just shrug your shoulders and get back to work. But that is not the expect- expectation of the modern soldier. And so there is, I see it as a definite difference generationally. Do you think the connectivity that, uh, so you go through and you look at cell phones, smartphones, right? The opportunity to be constantly in touch, right? Like we can all be in touch and be, you know, 10 meters from each other or 10,000 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can have in- instant access. And if someone grows up with that and then, you know, you're, you're used to that and suddenly you go over and not only it's the first time in, in, the, sand- in, in the sandbox, but it's the worst Wi-Fi ever. <laughs> right? And you're just like, it's the worst Wi-Fi bad. ever. Right? <laughs> the, the food is terrible. Right? Yeah. I don't want to eat the footbread. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to eat, you know the uh the rat packs or whatever yeah and so how much of it is just that sudden change because you talk about like growing up eating a cold can of beans mm-hmm. and my uh if i could start a fire in the middle of winter in the mountains of grand cash yeah 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 for sure right and so you you go and it's like you look that older generation they were eating cold beans and that was a ration when they got over there and they ate cold beans at home um and so when someone goes and has you know a fairly reasonable diet or at least access to mcdonald's and they go to not they have access to their friends and family and then they don't and that could be for a variety of reasons whether it's security issues or just worst wi-fi ever Mm -hmm. um and then i mean there's also that in that six months or in chance's case you said your first tour was extended what out to nine uh just under nine it was eight months eight months to even just like that eight months right. days. and then so you go through and you kind of combine that you did what a six-month workup uh it was in total in the field we were probably out eight out eight months or so so it your workup work. before you went over yeah it was like okay. eight months worth of workup and then it was another and then the tour itself was about eight months yeah so you go through and you look at there's essentially this like year and a half gap where you left and you come back and everyone's changed. Especially oh, yeah. if you look at like right after high school, right? Like there's some pretty pivotal times there as far as where people are changing their personalities, right? Um, how many guys, you know, they, they go over there, right? I mean, it's not only men that have changed, but women, right? So it's like how many how many guys went over and and they, they you know, were, were fixing to be married or they were married or whatever, and they come back and it's, realize well she's got a kid and it's definitely not mine you know what i mean probably yeah, not yeah right and so you want to going through and like looking at those things the world didn't pause yeah while you did your thing for a year and a half and so i mean there's a there's a potential for that there's coming back and dealing with a different set of expectations culturally here um the guy who i started the company with when he came back 
uh, sort of Delta 12 with. Um, when he came back, the thing that he found the hardest to deal with was people's concept of time. Mm-hmm. He said, when he said, if, you know, we had to be at, you know, Nathan Smith or we had to be in Nakanae and it was like at this time, we were there at that time. Yeah. Right. If I said, I, if, if, if we committed to showing up here and we didn't, there's a problem, there would be consequences. And yeah. so everyone was accountable to that. He said he came back and it's the fact that they'd have plans with somebody, you know, week out and 20 minutes before the person flake out. So it was the hardest thing for him to adjust to. And then also having, you know, look the dragon in the mouth, realizing how precious that time is and that every time you see someone, it could be the last. Mm-hmm. He said that the, that just like how flippantly people would, waste someone else's time, just not show up. He said that was one of the hardest things for him to adjust to. Timing well, is a challenging it's, thing. It's hard to <laughs> value time if you've never truly valued time. Yeah, it really is. And timing's like, it. at least in my experience, the uh, going from timings meaning life or death to timings meaning I'm going to be late, it, that that is a it is a uh it's a psychological barrier now <laughs> like it, it drives me it's very difficult to be late but uh over time and i think i just had this thought while you were talking ace was the fact that there wasn't a pause when we were overseas right there was no pause the world kept going for us time paused because we were off doing whatever and then we came back expecting things to kind of be the same and I was thinking about this, perhaps the World War II veterans, the people that we look up to, the world did pause, right? Like there was the home front. People were rationing. People were writing letters, writing like there was the, the entire, everybody that was involved, every country that was involved was affected all the way back to the citizen at home who wasn't fighting. In some way, there was an effect. Whereas I think in Afghanistan, even not just Afghanistan, but a modern veteran, like you were saying, because I know guys from Bosnia and Serbia and even Cyprus and all kinds of places. Rwanda, right? Rwanda, sure. But in those places, when the guys went off, the world never changed here. The world never stopped. Rarely did people even know that we left. (laughs) And then, you know, so I think that is where a lot of the divide comes from, especially for the modern veteran versus the old veteran. And I think it plays into who we look at as, as men, because when I grew up looking at my granddads, <clears throat> both my granddads, one was a rancher. The other guy served. He was a combat engineer overseas. He, uh, both of them were affected. Like <laughs> production on the ranch was ramped up, right? They tried to have more cattle because that needed was needed for the war effort. My other granddad went overseas. Those are the people I looked up to because they the work was in front of them and they were like, Roger that. Let's get to it. Yeah, but you know what's super dangerous though on this subject mm-hmm. is victim mentality. So, sure. you know, World War II, everyone's got the combined effort. Everyone's there's it, <clears throat> there's a national sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Everyone's working super hard back home and everyone's working super hard overseas. So it's a national sacrifice. But then a modern war that maybe some Canadians don't even know is in existence. There's people going overseas and doing work on behalf of the country, on behalf of the population, the citizenry. Whereas the citizenry is just keeping on, keeping on like every day's New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. And so you're over there working hard. You come back and think, yeah, well, you don't understand. You don't even know what it's like to stand on sand. <laughs> it's a bit of a victim mentality because um, that's why you're there. That's why you're there to serve. You're there so that the person who has never stood on sand doesn't have to stand on sand. And so just because they've never stood on sand and they quote unquote don't get you, they're, they're just good people trying to do the best for their normal family life and they shouldn't have to feel like they're a loser quote unquote because they never stood on sand but there's veterans that come back and treat it as such now i'm not saying a lot but there are some and it's the some that start chirping about 
you'll never know. You don't even understand. You can't even spell sacrifice. It's a victim mentality. Because before you went over and stood on the sand, that wasn't an ambush. You got to re-remember why you signed up, why you went over there, why you came back. And it wasn't to whine. It was to serve. Couldn't agree more. That's awesome. Uh, any thoughts on that, Ace? You got any more? Or do you want to move on to? Um, well, I mean, to uh, to the point, we have th there. There winds up just being a different. You, the people that went over and came back, they they were different species at that point, right? It's just like 100%. like people have the haves and the have-nots, but um, there's a you're you're just different. Right. Yeah. Like, so for me, when I go out to Toronto, as an example, I have to like, I, I grew up in a rural way. Um, I work with my hands for a living and I see the world as a very simple place and going through and trying to relate to somebody who's, you know, very metropolitan, I have to make a real effort. I mean, it's part of my skill set. But I have to go through and craft who I am because there is a lot less shared experience. Right. So we as friends are going to discuss about what we have in common. Now, that could be that Chance and I get covered in each other's sweat um, Mondays, Thursdays and Sundays at Open Mat. Right. It could be the two of you discussing, you know, beard grooming products. We go through and we have these shared experiences and if we don't have that commonality, it's difficult to relate. Yeah. Um, and so I definitely see that there can be a divide. Um, and I think that the, that there's an onus on, on really both sides to go through and try to understand the other position instead of just, you know, yeah. beating your chest and saying like, you don't, you don't know what it's like to feel someone go still. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, the, the truth is it like, like, like the truth of it is, not even a lot of people that were over there did. Yeah, correct. Right? And, and, and by the way, what? And by the way, who in yep. their right mind wants to feel that? I was just thinking that like, <laughs> so, you know, the, the irony of, of the, of the conversation is that anyone who's beating their chest out there probably hasn't felt the immensity of how tragically bad things can be. Mm. Uh, and nor should they want to, unless you're a psychopath. And, and so, you know, it's who wants to experience that nobody in the right mind, but if, if someone is experiencing that, then it's their job to get right with it. And it's our job to help them get right with it. And yeah. so our job and the person who's standing in front of them, the civilian who has maybe never stood on sand. It's their job through a two-way street communication. The person who has been in that position, the person who doesn't understand that position, it's for both parties to create a common position to begin a conversation to better understand each other's experiences. Yeah, absolutely. I really, I, I <laughs> this leads into what we're going to talk about next. But the, uh, the it's so much easier to come up with the ways in which we are different. Right. It's real easy to say, you know, well, you, I have a beard. You don't bang perfect, easy done. We have a difference, but the more challenging route and the more successful route I find is to do that little bit of work, find the commonalities, right? Sure. Somebody may not know what it's like to stand on sand. Great. But they do know what it's like to be hot. Cool. Now. So now there's a commonality there, right? I did some work in the desert. It was really hot a lot of the time. Okay. There, they, you know, you have a general understanding. They may not know what it's like to get shot at, but they do know what it's like to be afraid. Okay. And they've been in drum heller, you know? And exactly. If you've been Dude, <laughs> in a medicine hat or somewhere. <laughs> it, does that get danger pay? <laughs> I think the Brits get danger pay for being in that. <laughs> yes, uh, they deserve it. <laughs> you, you know what? Like, if you want to do a good, uh, a good photo op, I recommend drum heller. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? Like no one will know where it is. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a space. Uh, it's it's an alien uh, landscape for sure. It really is. It's actually, you know, it's funny. I drove through northern Nevada right after I got back from overseas, uh, maybe a year or so after I got back from overseas. 
And Northern Nevada looks very much like Southern Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was quite the experience to, to come back. I, I thought I had gotten like kind of used to being back in the world again. And then I started driving down this one single two lane highway, <laughs> just a black strip down through this red desert. And I was like, Oh no. Looking at all the hot <laughs> did I, did I just go somewhere I wasn't supposed to, but yeah, it's uh it can definitely be a challenge. And so what are the next point that I wanted to get into? And I'll, we'll get into it in a second is uh, we're going to talk about the community, but first I want to get into this comment because I've been waiting for quite a while to put this up. Oh, just get on with it. Chaos customs and wood wanted to thank you, Sean chance and for taking so much time on the 20th. Uh, live to answer our questions about public speaking. We held our class last night and your tips helped us uh, better prepare in turn, calming our nerves. It was a small audience, but still a leap out of our comfort zones. Now we have the confidence to double attendance on the next one. The time you take every day to encourage us all to do our best is appreciated and impactful. That's cool. That's pretty cool. And the reason that I wanted to put that in there first was because what I want to talk about was developing the community. Mm. And I think this is very important and it goes into the, what we're talking about in terms of who our heroes were is that, you know, previously we had said we, no one was really thinking about what it was to be a man. Nobody was thinking about what it was to be that role model or we don't we didn't see it. But I think now we have to, we have to actively develop the communities we're in we actively develop our families we actively develop our friend group we have to actively develop the people around us so that we can surround ourselves with awesome people what do you guys think Eighth i think I, on you. Oh. okay sure uh, yeah. all right so i've said it in the past that when i was a young kid i didn't know what a man was because nobody talked about it there was no <laughs> book there was no definition there was no nothing you couldn't look it up anywhere no one talked about it blank slate and so you kind of had to figure it out. So what what being a man meant to me was learned through the military by the great guys that were around me. And so they shaped me up from a skinny underperforming kid to a less skinny, better performing kid. And um, and and I'm thankful for all of those great men that were around me. But again, as I look back on what it m- meant to be a man back then and maybe what it still means to be a man now, it was... It was less about the guy and it was more about almost like a feeling of that there's no quit in that dude or that guy keeps his nose to the grindstone or that guy leads in a way that I like. Mm -hmm. Just random sort of not quite nebulous, but big conceptual constructs of thematically, this is what it means to be a man. But again, none of us ever talked about it. We just kind of did it. Now, not too long ago, I I think I stated, I still don't really know what it means to be a man. I think we're all still trying to figure it out. Unless, oh, no, there's no book over my bookshelf that says uh, how to be a man. And so everyone has opinions. And there probably are books about it out there. I just haven't read them. And here's why. Because I don't think anyone's got it figured out. It gets figured out in conversations like this, not totally figured out, but the conversation starts and gives mm-hmm. me enough fuel to chew on for a day or two and think, yeah, you know what? I can do it better. Or, oh, he's right. I could eat, tweak that. And so these are living books, in my opinion, because the book isn't written, or at least that I've ever read on what it means to be a man. So developing the community or, or what is a hero uh, we're all supposed to be living proof daily of leading by example or by leading from the front, whatever that means, or yes. being a hero to others in any way that we can. And I'm not talking about Thor superhero fake Hollywood stuff. I'm talking about all the little actions that maybe nobody ever sees. But then someone somewhere starts talking about, wow, did you see dot, dot, dot. And now you're inspiring others i went for breakfast this morning with a with a young local guy who just came into town <clears throat> his name is simon and the reason that we met it's not that i'm his hero of course that's ridiculous but he knows me through social media he knows what my background is he wanted to get together to have breakfast to talk through a few things we talked through a few things and it was great but as i sat there my job as i saw it was not just to tell stories it was to inspire him to draw more out of him. 
for him to want more for himself through me somehow encouraging him to want more. And mm -hmm. so developing the community, we should be doing it every day, but it's, it shouldn't be a chore. It should be who you are. And if you're not that yet, figure out a way to become that so that you can authentically develop your community around you. Man, all those, all that hours of training for my hero poses that are just like thrown. Uh, they didn't can't. go to waste. I mean, look at the size <laughs> of your biceps, man. Right. They are super tiny. Uh, Ace, you got any thoughts developing the community? Um, so, I mean, there's, there has been a lot that's been written on it. Um, there's, you know, the, you get the Jungian archetypes of the, of the war, uh, of the warrior, the king, the magician, and the lover. Um, there's a book by that name. Those those characters are probably re, uh, rearranged where it gets in and discusses the, the Jungian archetypes and what it looks like to be completely, you know, to reach uh, self-actualization and not, and what it looks like when somebody's developmentally stunted, right? So that, you know, that somebody with that king type of archetype that becomes not self-actualized, that hasn't reached that maturing process, um, they wind up becoming that dickhead boss, right? You wind up seeing the seeing the warrior archetype that isn't that isn't actualized properly, that doesn't understand the responsibility that comes with this, and they wind up becoming some type of bully. So that could be the brovet. Could could be a crime boss. Could be just you know somebody that wants to throw their weight around um, in whatever capacity that is. Um, you know the right the the guy that's the lover that it's not it's not self actualized. Um, and if, if there's one thing he, he can't manage to do, it's keep his pecker in his pants. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, affects his, if affects his relationships and his, his, and his ability to have some type of meaningful relationship. When we go through and we look at the example of that previous generation, like, you know, my granddad, just cause we've been on the topic. I mean, loved one woman, right. That was his life. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for, you know, 50 years or more. Right, there's that commitment and so there there was that um you know the, the the magician archetype right that we've all met that we've all met that guy we all know that guy somewhere around us who's always got a scam going he's always got some kind of racket and whether like i've i've met a couple guys who for very long periods of time they managed to not work and collect some type of hoagie or, or welfare benefit and what they would do is they would buy and sell things on kijiji because mm -hmm. they're like well like i can buy buy and sell four cars a year before i got to claim that on taxes so they sure did it all right and they would like they're the guys that are on kijiji and they're looking you know some pops up for free and your phone rings 15 seconds later that's a guy they're always trying to work that scam versus going through and taking that and applying it to a way that that's better mm -hmm. um so there, I, I think it's worthwhile going through and, and being aware of some of that stuff because there has been a lot that's been been worked on and you can kind of go through and be like, oh, like there is there is negative sides about my personality that's highlighted here. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've all we've all known that guy sometimes because that guy was us that uh, wound up getting led around by his dick. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of young guys, that winds up being it winds up being their downfall um, because they're doing stuff to impress women and, you know, they're getting that fight at the bar. They're, they're doing whatever where they don't need to, right? They're in, instead of going through and, and putting that down payment on a house or on a rental property, they need to go through and spend, you know, that, that extra 60 grand on a sports car. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, you go through and you start looking at, just being able to dial in and focus on what you need to, uh, I think is important. As far as leading from the front, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, but I guess, I guess we kind of need to know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And to, uh, to your point, there is a certain amount, I think, of faking it till you make it that goes on. Um, and I don't mean that in a way that it's kind of insincere and blustering and, you know, guys talking about, if you're talking about being an alpha online, uh, you're not. <laughs> it's it's just like it's just like the girl wearing the tiara Truth. or rhinestone yep. princess t-shirt, like yeah, right. If yeah. It, if your t-shirt has to say sex, you're probably not. If you're walking around talking about being an alpha, you're probably not. Right. Yep. Ironically, the least alpha male thing is talking about being an alpha male. True. Um, True. Yep. 
And, and I mean, when you go through and you start looking into social sexual, sexual hierarchies, um, a lot of that has been discussed by Vox Day, right? The alpha male personality type requires that you want to be in charge and actually be over somebody. Yeah. Right. You want to go through and impose your will if you have to, but you need people to follow you. And at a certain point, you need to come to a realization that, that a lot of these personality types, these personality, you know, or these components of your personality are that you may think are strengths or weaknesses. If I have a fragile ego and, you know, I fancy myself being the toughest guy in the room. You well, are. <laughs> I have the toughest haircut. Right, like this thing. That's where I was I'll, going I'll with that. I'll send you the video of me taking off a balaclava, <laughs> and this shit just popped right back up. Wing. Yeah, yeah. We like I got in these like ninja neck gaiters, and I was like demoing it, and I every single comment on the video is, I kid you not, is about how my hair is resilient. Dude, I can't even stop looking at it. <laughs> it's uh, it's got this little bounce every time you move your head too. It's like, ding. <laughs> I'm only teasing. Yeah. Um, um but when we when we go through and we start looking at these things, I may think I'm the toughest guy in my room in the room, and I associate that with my identity the way that you know someone you know being a veteran associates, right? This is my personality, and that's mm -hmm. fine until you know I'm out at the uh, local watering hole, Shoeless Joe's, or something like that, and I bump into I bump into Chance, and I get a drink spilled on me, and now and now like my entire identity is associated with being tough, and I get. I get choked out with my own t-shirt. Which would suck because your t-shirt says you're an alpha male. It does. <laughs> you came from Sigma International on my three-day course. Three-day course, you're yeah. an alpha male. Right? And so it's like, and you know, like Chance thinks it's funny, so he holds it for 20 seconds. Well, it I is. Myself in front of people. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're going to pee yourself. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, if you have any of that going, it's, yeah. uh, it's 20 seconds, if you're wondering. That's how long it takes. <laughs> yeah. So when... When people go through and wrap up their identity in these like small parts of their personality, um, that winds up becoming an issue, right? When your entire personality is based around, you know, you're a ladies' man. Yeah, well, what about when you become a family man? You want to try to transition. Now you're going to reach some type of existential crisis because you're not going through and finding new, new watering holes. Yeah. Right. And so we kind of wind up getting developmentally stunted because of that. Because we're constantly looking, you know, nothing's nothing sadder than a guy who's in his 40s that thinks he's got a shot with 18-year-olds. Like, come on, boys. Like, first of all, like, have you tried talking to an 18-year-old? Like, actually? Yeah. Right? Good luck. Right? Like, you're going right, to try text messaging. It's this string of emojis, and you're like, this is not words. I'm sure it's confusing. It's yeah. not words. Right? I, I had... So, uh... I had this awesome thing in, uh, I went to old college right after actually just a little while ago, five, six years ago. And my entire class was like 19 year old girls. And I was a 35 year old master corporal girls, right? I was a recruit instructor. Dude, you were the alpha and male. I was the alpha male. I was one of Most two alpha, guys alpha in that man. class. And, but Dude, and you, you didn't even have jujitsu at that point. Can you that, imagine how oh double goodness. alpha you hey, are now? Hey man. What? You don't know my mentality first off. <laughs> you see red. <laughs> but the the you're absolutely right in that. And it is a it's an infuriating thing to sit back and watch a bunch of 19-year-old girls interact with each other as a 35-year-old dude at the time. Yeah, but can you imagine how infuriating it was for them? Oh, Who's the I, stooge in the corner with the bad attitude right and the, at the back. storm cloud over his head? Just with sit alpha there with my arms on his t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. With alpha t-shirt. Um, he just got a new tattoo. <laughs> he misspelled alpha. You know, I, I want to go back to uh, what a... you were uh, mentioning, Ace, and, and it's not that I'm going to retract my statement. I'm going to requalify my statement in the sense of, um, I said that there's just no book out there that's called How to Be a Man. There isn't, unless I missed it. There's a bunch of books out there that you can read that can guide you towards that direction, but it takes a lot of reading and a lot of thought. And, uh, you know, if, if you're, if you think you're going to casually sit down with a coffee and, and lightly read young, you ain't, it takes work to yeah. not only work through it, but to deeply consider it and see how that fits into your own sense of the world around you. 
So, and these things don't typically happen. It's rare that someone will sit down and read 20 books in a year, never mind 20 hardcore learny learn kind of books. Mm -hmm. And so the, the simple book out there called how to be a man for dummies doesn't exist. So usually yes. what happens is we're shaped by the men that we surround ourselves with. So the reading isn't being done. The thought isn't being done. Now it's just casual observation. Maybe that casual observation is at the bar while some dude is saying, I'm going to go hit on that 18 year old. You know what should be happening next is everyone looks at him and says, bro, grow up. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. And so that's developing the community in my opinion is in the real time shaping it when someone pulls the bucket head move of saying i'm a 40 year old man about to hit on that 18 year old yeah you said it a second ago uh ace was that accountability right and that's what you're talking about sean is that people need to be held accountable by the community that doesn't mean being a gatekeeper that doesn't mean right. being a bully and that doesn't don't mean have to be a goof what to do, but it just means being held like if you are a 40 year old man that wants to go hit on an 18 year old then people should be looking at you funny because well you shouldn't be getting a hallway it. pass that's exactly it, it doesn't have to turn into a drama but yeah. it but it shouldn't be um let's all pretend that isn't happening right now mm -hmm. i mean that's not leading that is not leading by example that is not i mean if we're go back to our conversation talking about heroes and if we were all to write down the top three attributes of who we thought were heroes what that meant to us it surely wouldn't have anything to do with 40 year old man hits on 18 year old emoji girl <laughs> turned a that blind fits eye nowhere yeah. into the top three attributes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the funny part is at least in, in my mind is that the one thing we have with this communication system, which is fantastic. And the fact that we can sit here and have this conversation from multiple locations is that it's, it's the same way in which that accountability is slipping away from the community because if i don't want to be held accountable on social media i don't have to be held accountable on social media and it goes also back to the point of uh you know that previous generation of veterans who went to war they came home and they got back to work was that there were plenty of veterans back then that were screaming till they were blue in the face about all the things that they did overseas. They were standing on soapboxes and they were doing all kinds of things, but they weren't able to reach the people that they can now, right? If you stood up on soapbox, you might be able to yell at a hundred people and they might sit there and go, wow, great. You, you know, you'd write a book and it would go across the country. But nowadays, man, you pull up your phone, you scream into it. You tell everybody they're wrong. You blah, blah, blah. You do whatever you want. You, you can, be that that negative then as a lack of a better term that negative nelly talk about you know i'm better than you are because i did these things and you don't even know what it's like to touch sand and then you can turn your phone off and that that does not develop the community in any way it doesn't help in any way but what does help I, at least in my my point my view is seeing that if you want to put that out there put that out there and then be open to the the consequences of your actions because once you're open to that yeah you know you the problem grow. if if they're developing the country by getting on a soapbox and ranting about rant, shaking their fists at the cloud well that's the only development that that's um creating within the community is a negative representation as you yell into your phone with your t-shirt that says alpha veteran <laughs> and now there's people out there that i know who've never served and they're watching that and they're thinking what is wrong with all veterans yeah it's a good point ace you got thoughts um i think that uh there's a, a good buddy of mine his name is dan and uh we uh we have an arrangement in which we refer to each other as accountability partners mm. And, and that kind of extends to extends to everything, right? So there's a certain amount of like, hey, I done something good and I need to be able to tell someone about it and get that kind of like, I need to be able to brag about this and get this kind of like, yeah, good boy. And to be able to go through and have somebody that you can brag to publicly about, you know, hey, you know, I'm, I just, I just got another rental property. Um, hey, 
right? This this girl this girl was hitting on me, and I right like I I didn't cheat on my wife this time, or whatever that is that aspect about your personality. You know, I was out at this I was out of this thing like like booze booze has ruined a lot of good men. Right. And so you go through and you look at it. It's like, oh, you know, I was in this situation and someone someone offered me a beer. And I like I I said I had to work next day. Right. I I was driving home or whatever. Right. Right. And so having having somebody, a confidant that you can brag to about like stuff that seems silly. Right. And that person wants the best for you and you can do the same back and forth without having to put it on the ground Mm -hmm. because. There's a certain amount of faking it until you make it that needs to go on, right? So I'm a huge believer in the strength of routine. Um, my day starts out where I give the first couple hours to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the career that I have right now, I work shift work. And I'm starting work at, you know, 5, 5.30. So I might be getting up at 3 in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, so I can give those couple hours to myself where I go through and I get my workout in. Now, me doing my workout might just be I'm tossing a kettlebell around uh, and in between sets as I'm making my lunch, mm-hmm. right? It can be going through and, you know, I, I want to do a language prep, whether, you know, it's Spanish or Pashtun or Croatian or, or whatever, right? I want to I get better at my Yiddish, right? So that, that when it comes up, I can call someone a Meshuggah. <laughs> and so when when we have those things and we start laying out those routines, it's good to be able to brag to somebody and have and and and, and like I said, I, I refer to it as an accountability partner. And it's an arrangement that I have. A lot of people you see they're they're putting that stuff on the gram. So it's like, but when you go through and put it on social media, you start doing this, like, okay, well, it looks very contrived. And they're really it's just it's a lot of times men that are just looking for other men to simp on them and give them this out of boy realistically. Right. Like, Hey man, that's great. You made your bed, right? Like, Oh, here's a picture of my watch at like four 30 been up for two hours already. Jocko put it away. Okay. And so there's a whole bunch of this needing validation from a large group of people that don't give a good goddamn about you versus having, Right. Having a circle that's that's small and the beer is cold, so to speak. Yeah. Where it's like, no, we're in this together, right? Like you got that buddy, right? You're you're getting up at two thirty. He's getting up at two thirty. You send him a text at two thirty-five, right? That's how that works, right? And so it's just like keeping having people to help you stay on track. So, I mean, we need to fake it till we make it to establish that routine, and then after those things become habits, um, we can we can start to change. Yeah. But it just winds up being cringy when you see these guys start yelling about being alpha males and like, like all all of these things about it. Like, bro, I know you in real life. Yeah. Don't don't talk to me about being sigma and being stoic. I've yeah. I've been in the vehicle when you've been driving. There's nothing stoic about it, right? <laughs> Everyone is insert expletive mental yeah. handicap, right? Like in varieties of configurations. Yeah. So going through and, and having those accountability partners and, and that community, I mean, we talked about like, what is that community? For me, I, I think it's important to be, you know, a small circle where it's, you know, one or two people as like, Hey, bros, we're doing this, right? Like we get up at two 30 to do this workout. My right? text goes out at two 35. I better hear back from you at two 40 or I'm going to, sh- or, or I'm going to show up at your house with an air horn. There's a certain amount of that. I think that's required. Yeah, I could see that. You know, there there is is the, uh, you're right. That's a great way to, I would think of it as subunit control Mm -hmm. um, as a kind of a inspiring way to manage the microcosm. But the bigger picture uh, being the Instagram, we'll call it, that's where I find myself nowadays. And it's not that I'm out there I guess I am trying to inspire to some degree, but it doesn't feel contrived because I'm freaking going to do whatever I do anyway. I'm just mm-hmm. doing me. And, uh, and that's the way I've been for a lot of years. And I don't have to create a workout because I've been working out longer than that dude has been born. 
And so my routine is my routine. What I do is what I do. It's super easy for me to do. I throw it on the IG because I think I'm told anyway that it inspires people. And that's cool because I'm going to do it anyway. I'm just going to do me. So if I put it out and it helps someone, I'm okay with that. What I find now is, and this is not like an intentional thing or or a carefully crafted thing because I'm not really good at social media. I find that like there's people connecting with me who are, to use a broad example, a housewife in the middle of nowhere. And and I'm like, what the heck? Why are they connecting with me? Not but today. Just, I just, don't do it. Yeah, not yeah. today. I've got your number. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know why they do, but they do. And and usually the reason that they're connecting is back to the things that we started the conversation off with. And it's it's the things that um our heroes inspired us by, by being a bit gritty, by just getting the job done, by not swearing too much, by trying to live a good life, whatever. All of the super simple fundamental things that when you're in that horse corral and you looked around at the 10 uh, uh, horse hands or the rodeo guys or whatever, you'd, uh, you'd easily be able to identify, quote unquote, the man, because he just emanated it. He just... He did everything right and very little wrong, whatever that meant at that time. And so, you know, rather than trying to be something I'm not, I'm just being what I was taught to be over mm-hmm. near damn near six decades, I suppose. It's a, uh, it's a continual process too, right? Like you, this is I, one of the things I want to get, uh, get into here, but we don't have time was the fact that it's, it is a learning process, right? Mm-hmm. As a kid, you're looking at people and they're trying to be like, oh, I like what's happening there. I'm going to try and do that. And if you fail, which you probably will, what do you do then? Right? That's part of the process. That's part of developing the community. That's part of learning how to be a man or a woman or whatever you want to look at. It's part of, it's part of actually processing the information. And I find a lot of times we get stuck on one thing that we're good at. Right? I'm going to be a soldier. I'm going to be a veteran. I'm going to be a jujitsu guy. I'm going to be an alpha male. I'm going to be a lady. Like you find the one thing that works. And then instead of expanding upon it, instead of adding stuff to that, you get stuck there because it's comfortable. <laughs> and then you stop developing and then you start gatekeeping and then you start getting aggravated and then you start allowing everything to get you. And it becomes this, you you stop the progression. You, you don't just, you get one archetype instead of exploring all four or exploring all, like instead of developing into each of those realms and finding where your issues are and trying to build upon them and make yourself better or develop the community within yourself. And then once you are okay to do that, then you start developing the community around you and then you start developing your circle wider and then you start developing. I think that's where uh, the collective comes in because this is what we're all about. We're here to learn, build, and grow consistently every day and learn from each other. So but we've just over an hour now, and I really appreciate uh, you being on here, Ace. This has been an awesome conversation. Really appreciate Dude, what you. took you so long and your hair <laughs> to get be over on, here? Right? It totally my fault. <laughs> you probably had to book two things, his hair and Ace. <laughs> it's, it's actually a wig. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that's why it's so perfect. I there was I'll tell you a story another time. But uh, any final thoughts on you know heroes development building community anything? Um, there's uh, from Proverbs. Uh, there's a there's one that says, "I'll go send me," mm. and I think that that really defines in my mind, a lot of what a man is, right? There, it's not a matter of needing to be the best. Obviously, you don't want to be terrible at it, but not being afraid to be the worst, mm-hmm. right? Um, I recently uh, was, in, uh, was, was in an interview for, uh, for something I got coming up, and I was asked about, you know, do you know how to do this? Have you ever done that? I said, I'll learn. Right. And so there's so many opportunities that just come from your willingness to go in a situation, 
not know anything in a depth, right? I'll go, send me. And I think that really sums up that that man mentality, right? That we talk about of that older generation, right? Like, well, family's got to eat. I'll go, send me, right? Um, And depending on what that looks like, right? Whether it's some type of situation back then or some type of situation where the grid goes down and I'm out there with a, I'm out there with a, you know, essentially a, a pitchfork that I've modified trying to go through and hunt a bear, right? Or you know, haven't bathed myself in long enough that I can, you know, get close to, close enough to a deer I can drop down on it as yeah. I'm walking through and literally just oh, dude, give me a call. I want to do that. <laughs> we can get Super our John J. Rambo on there falling out go. of tree branches and stabbing things all day long. That would be amazing. Um, but so I I think that that's really the mentality that we need to look at is I'll go, send me. And I think that that's the mentality that, that a man has. And it, it, it doesn't matter if that's, you know, cooking supper, right? Like, I don't know, but I'll learn. Yeah. Right. And when we start looking at skill sets um, that we can learn, you can learn almost anything from YouTube to a reasonable level, right? You can learn to cook, mm-hmm. learn to skin, a, skin an animal. There's a lot of things that you can learn. And just that willingness to start a new task and be terrible at it at first. I got a, a message from a guy today who is 74 years old. And uh, one, one, one of the things that I'm, I do a lot of with my business is throwing knives. A huge amount of what we do is throwing knives, throwing spikes, all that. And he's like, I'm 74 years old. I served in the, the United States Marine Corps. Um, you know, I, I went to see your school, all that. I want to get, I want to learn how to throw knives. Like, I, I did it a little bit, but like, I want to get good at it. 74, this guy's still trying to learn. Mm-hmm. Right. And so to me, it just comes down to that mentality, 74 years old and still willing to be terrible at something at, at the start. I love it. Send me. I just love it. Sean, yeah. any final thoughts? No, uh, that's a, that's a nice wrap up by Ace. Thanks for doing that. And, uh, you know, I don't have anything. Listen, we don't have time to add anything. <laughs> and that is my point is that once again, we barely scratched the surface. I mean, we kind of hop, skipped and jumped from what a hero means to us to, you know, the next topic at hand. And we could have spent four days just discussing the archetypes and what it truly means to us and what we've learned and how we've evolved and how we can encourage others and blah, 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 all of the stuff that would be a, several day long conversations. So as always, I consider these kind of conversations to be the entry point into a deeper discussion that we haven't had yet. And we'll have it in the future. That's the the thing. Yeah. Ace and his hair needs to conclude this conversation. Just straighten it. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll make sure to set and make sure we'll have two camera angles for you next time. So we'll have the, the, the hair angle. The hair cam. The hair cam, exactly. All right. Well, uh, uh, we'll we'll have to end this conversation for now. We'll carry on tomorrow with another conversation, which is all about jujitsu. So if you are into jujitsu at all or have never even heard of it, tune in, watch, learn, build, and grow with us. You're on the collective. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo.